Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Hey, welcome back to the HR for Small Business podcast. This is your host, Brandon Laws. Hey, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to do a couple housekeeping items uh, and let you know of a couple awesome things that we're doing here at Zenium. First off, we are doing a survey open to everybody. It's free. It's called Beyond Compensation, a Total Rewards Survey. And basically, if you, if you as an employer have ever wondered what other companies like you, your size, uh, your geographic region, if you've ever wondered what how your benefits that you're offering, your total rewards package, as we call it, is stacked up against competition, uh, or you just want to understand what the market's offering from a benefits perspective, sign up for this survey. Link is in the show notes, but the URL is zeniumhr.com forward slash beyond hyphen compensation. And we're going to cover things like medical plans, dental plans, life insurance, retirement offerings, uh, PTO, sick and vacation time, uh, the paid holidays, and so much more than that. So go sign up for that. You can sign up until July 15th, and uh, it's free, absolutely free. Uh, The second thing I wanted to just mention, so we're recording this today. We're releasing this on July 3rd. Uh, and so uh, here in the United States, we're celebrating July 4th. We'll be out uh, Wednesday uh, for the holiday. And uh, we're going to do an offer for our web courses. We have several web course offerings, including HR Basics, Next Level Leadership, Harassment Prevention for Employees, Harassment Prevention for Supervisors and Managers. And I know we have a lot of California listeners out there. And we have a web course that's extended. Uh, just for California employers. It's harassment prevention for supervisors. Uh, So you can go to courses.zeniumhr.com and see the full listing of courses there. And then the promo code, 33% off any web course from now until the end of July 6th. So go get that. The promo code is 4th of July altogether. And you can see the link in the in the code in the show notes. So go get that. Okay, on to today's episode. Today's episode, I interview Ryan McCarty. He's the co-author of Build a Culture of Good. And in this episode, we discuss using business as a vehicle for doing good in the community, in the world, and ultimately building a great place where people want to work. What Ryan and I talk about is that oftentimes people at work, they don't really have a purpose. Business isn't very clear about what the purpose of the business is. And he thinks that by doing great in the community and focusing on giving back, you can really, really build a great culture and build an awesome community uh, as a result of that. So I think you're going to really love what Ryan has to say. Um, 
what a cool story. I mean, he we really go back to the roots of how he and his co-author built wrote this book and built this company that they that they've uh, started. So, without further ado, I'm going to step aside and enjoy the episode. Uh, please give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts if you listen that way, and feel free to reach out to me on any of the social media outlets: Instagram, LinkedIn, all those places. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Ryan, it's so awesome to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Yeah, thanks so much, Brandon. I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, so you co-authored a book called Build a Culture of Good, Unleash Results by Letting Your Employees Bring Their Soul to Work. And the title, I love it. And <laughs> the the content within this book is so important, I think, nowadays. How did you come to write co-write this book? What's your backstory? Long story short, I spent the first 20 years of my professional career in nonprofit work. So I did everything from missions work in urban inner cities across America, uh, work in Africa, did ministry, uh, eventually became a pastor. Uh, and uh, one Sunday morning, I got up on stage and I my whole message was around your why equaling your what, mm-hmm. making sure that what you do never out uh outdoes why you do it, right? Like you really want to have a why going into the day, knowing why you do what you do. And uh, unbeknownst to me, the uh, CEO of the largest Verizon retailer in the country was out in the audience. And (laughs) well, yeah, no kidding. And I didn't know who he was. Um, He came to church that morning. He was not a church kind of person. And honestly, at that time, I had a mohawk and big gauges in my ears. (laughs) I have tattoos. So his wife convinced him to come and said, it's, it's not your typical place. And he showed up and he was so inspired that around that message, he had thousands of employees, a growing company, uh, third generation business owner. And he, he thought after, afterwards, he was like, let's grab some lunch. Cause he was thinking pastors give free advice and I want to get yeah. this guy's <laughs> advice, get it to my people because nobody goes to work every day at a at a wireless retail store thinking I have this great sense of fulfillment and meaning to my work and a sense of purpose and I know my why. And he knew his employees were coming to work just for a paycheck. And so uh, in the course of time, uh, he asked me for free advice and my free advice was that he should hire me. And, uh, and, and together we could bring this message into his business and build what eventually became the culture of good, a movement in his company uh, that really was about what I had done for over 20 years. And that was teaching people to bring their soul into their life and into their work. And, and now it was in the, in the for-profit sector. And that was a really unique proposition six years ago, you know, to, uh, bring the soul of a nonprofit into a for-profit space and employees being able to be given permission to care and, and to do good and to really grow the culture from within the business around doing good uh, for each other, for the customer and for the world. So eventually, you know, the book, it leads into the book because we thought, you know, the impact that it had on his company and, and his business results was significant. 
And we thought, we're, we're onto something special. We should share this. And that's, that's where the book came from. The crossroads of a point where you, uh, you were up on stage one Sunday morning and, and then he was in the audience. You guys came together. It sounds like you both needed each other at the right moment. And it just, it just sort of came together. Yeah. Do other CEOs like him, are they feeling that same thing where it's like, I just, my, I'm not articulating the why very well. My employees are just working for a paycheck. Do you think other people are feeling that same way? Absolutely. You know, you've got a, a major spectrum of diversity when it comes to leadership. Uh, you have the authoritative type uh, leader. You've got the one who is disconnected from culture and really is uh, more about the quarterly earnings and the profit and loss statements. We like to talk about uh, this type of emotional leadership is third dimensional. It's really getting off of the profit and loss statement. It's getting to a place where uh, you're connecting uh, on an emotional level with your employees. And I'm finding that more and more uh, as I'm going out and consulting and, and doing work with other businesses and companies. You know, every once in a while, like I said, we, we come across leaders that, you know, they recognize that this is uh, culture is a buzzword. They know that business is a human endeavor. Uh, but when it really comes down to it, uh, profit is, is really their, their only passion. And what we like to say is that profit isn't, uh, evil, that it can be a great catalyst for good and that you can be both profitable and purposeable at the same time. You don't have to choose between the two. Ryan, what did you say to Scott when you first met him that, <laughs> that day? Like, how did you convince him to give you a job? <laughs> That's a great question because when, uh, when I asked, when I told him to hire me, I didn't even, I was like, wow, that just came out of my mouth. I wasn't <laughs> planning on leaving yeah. that type of like nonprofit ministry, mm -hmm. pastoring work. And, and, uh, he had no intention on hiring me and, and actually didn't for several months. Uh, we, we ended lunch that day and we had a napkin with a, what we call the virtuous circle of success. We drew it on the napkin and it was all about, when employees are connected and engaged in their job, they're happier. That's going to impact the customer, which impacts the business results, which in turn allows for greater good to be done in the world. And, and we had that, that napkin and, and that's, that's what we left with. And three months after that, he was outside with his son trying to be Tony Hawk on a skateboard and, mm. <laughs> and slipped and tragically hit the back of his head oh, on his, his driveway and had three skull fractures, internal ble bleeding was a uh, lifeline to a hospital and had a traumatic brain injury, uh, obviously survived. And as part of his recovery, one of the conversations we had over chips and salsa uh, came back to him. And that was when I was asking him about his legacy. And I remember saying, Scott, you have a successful business. You're making tons of money mm -hmm. uh, in, in everybody's eyes around you. You've got it made. But but why? What about your why? And it, I think it's really crucial for leaders, owners to come to a place where they can define their own personal why. Why are they going to work? What, what, what legacy do they want to leave? You know, I, I always talk about how the life you lead is the legacy you leave. And, and we had that conversation, uh, that day. And, and, you know, it, it, uh, sometimes takes a near death experience for reality to set in. And, and that conversation of legacy, and a traumatic brain injury led to me being hired <laughs> in his company. So people thought he was nuts. His CFO was like, what are you hiring what this pastor yeah. for? Right. He's going to come in and give all our money away. And, you know, and, uh, and Scott, uh, just really 
went for it and and said let's let's try something new and and innovative and and at that time creative we hadn't read any books or got any consultant to come in or you know i we didn't know what we were doing we just we just scaled up what i had been doing in ministry into his business that was probably a jolt for both of you, right? So like Scott's like making an investment and bringing in some uh, position that he's never really had before and taking a risk in you. And then here you are, you've been in the nonprofit world basically your entire life. And then you're switching yeah. over to the for-profit world. And it's interesting because I think a lot of people, especially like you know, millennials coming out of college, they're like, I want to do good in the world. So I'm going to go with the nonprofit. But I sit here objectively kind of look at this. I've been in the for-profit world my entire career. And I, and I think there's a lot more scale to the for-profit world. And I could sure. see the decision that you're, you're, you're like, I, I have an opportunity. I could reach way more people. I can ha- yep. have a greater impact in this company that has huge scale. I mean, there's locations all over the nation, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and you nailed it right on the head. I mean, that, that's exactly what I was thinking. I thought, Look, I've been I've been doing ministry and begging for money, begging for volunteers, mm-hmm. be- begging for resource. Here's here's an opportunity with thousands in my head because I had never done for profit work. Here's an opportunity with thousands of volunteers to go out into the world to do good. I could really go on a macro level here and really really scale up the good that I was doing, the influence that I could could make personally uh, in terms of my own leadership. And I I he saw it as uh, opportunity for free advice. And I saw it as an opportunity to impact the world in a greater way. And, and, uh, it's, you know, it was, it was a wake up call, uh, transitioning from nonprofit to for profit, you know, cause now all of a sudden you have volunteers, you have money, you have resource. And, and what was really special is I had the support of the CEO, which, um, which I think is beyond anything else. One of the most crucial elements, because if you don't, if it doesn't come from the top in terms of ownership and support of the good that's going on, it can be met with skepticism and actually build a culture of distrust rather than a culture yeah. of good. And, uh, and, and having those, those elements, uh, aligned for me was, uh, was just a gift handed to me. And I thought, you know, um, at that point I was, uh, about, you know, I was, I think I was in my late thirties and I thought, you know, here's an opportunity for me to really take everything that I've learned and see if it works in, in a space where I have the resource to do some some amazing stuff, and it and it it worked. I'm really curious about what the the first probably six months to a year looked like because the way you described it was that you know here are employees working for a paycheck. They're probably not they're they they know what they're doing. They don't really know the impact that they're making for the greater good, what the purpose of the organization is. How do you like, you come in, this is a newer position here. You have to make this like paradigm shift for all the employees to say, let's, let's have, let's build a soul for the company. Let's build the greater purpose. Let's contribute to the communities. And, you know, as a result of all that, we're going to have customers that love us and, we're going to make a, a lasting impact on our communities. How do you like, how did you make that, that shift and get people to care more? Uh, initially not very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we, <laughs> at least so being honest. Decide, yeah, no uh, Yeah. I mean, initially, you know, we thought let's get this message out um, and let's communicate to our customers and our employees that, that this is, this is the soul of our company. This is the culture. Like if you do business with us, you also do good with us. If you, 
workforce. You're there to inspire others and make the world a better place. And so we had this real quirky idea of sending out fortune cookies to all of the stores. Yeah, I remember that and, story. Uh, yeah, and we put custom messaging in them. And uh, and when I asked Scott, I was like, all right, how many fortune cookies do we send out to these stores? And he said, well, he started <laughs> – he grabbed his calculator. We ended up buying 500,000 – a half a million yeah. fortune cookies and sent them out to stores without a whole lot of communication, ironically, because it was a communication gimmick. Um, we didn't really communicate to the stores why they were showing up. We just you know, sent out a quick email and – I, you know, I, I had to learn what it meant to scale from reaching a couple hundred people on a Sunday morning to reaching over at that point about 2,500 employees across 35 states. Like that's a significant learning curve. Um, and so those fortune cookies ended up, uh, in dumpsters. Some, a lot of them were eaten by the employees. Some of them got into the customer bags. Some of them, uh, were used as return packing shipping peanuts, you know, like, like <laughs> yeah. it, it just, it, you know, it, it wasn't a complete fail, but it was just one of those landmines where we knew initially we had to spark and communicate things on more of an emotional level, what, what I would call like an emotional disruption. And so we embarked on doing a, an, a big good event where uh, my wife and I and our church have been doing backpacks in our local community for, uh, at that time, uh, about 10 years. Uh, it was a tangible, real need in local community uh, for us. And we wanted to say to our community, we love you. And we're here to meet a tangible need because we care. And uh, my idea was, let's do this on a, a scale across the country uh, to all of the uh, stores and communities and just really meet a tangible need and, and see where it goes from there. And and so we we did. We sent out sixty thousand backpacks full of school supplies, and and that became a moment for the company. That was a defining moment that to this day they continue to do on an annual basis. Have given away over the last five years, given away over seven hundred thousand backpacks with school supplies. Wow. And, and but that was one event. And afterwards, we got so many messages, Scott and I did, uh, from employees that said, this changed my life. I saw mothers crying and kids and, and uh, families that were in definite need in my local community. I had no idea that this was more than just a giveaway. And, and I remember that next week, Scott pulling me into his office and saying how we could pull that off again the following week because he was so pumped about it. And I explained to him, uh, like I think a lot of people do to CEOs, you can't, you can't pull something like that off on a weekly basis. But what we did know is that we had to turn that moment into a movement. And that's, that's really where we started taking an approach that would create a cadence of predictability around the good that was going to happen in the, in the stores and in the uh, corporate headquarters and across the nation that was a promise that uh that the company was making to employees that that we were going to care as part of the culture not as a program i thought i thought it's a beautiful illustration of like the fortune cookie to backpack thing so you're you're doing something that's gimmicky you guys can communication but then you know everybody loves there's a utility factor with with fortune cookies everybody likes fortune cookies right but it's not sure. really doing any good other than maybe the messages you have on there the backpacks, yeah. it's serving a need. It, there's an emotional tie to it because these families can't necessarily afford backpacks. That's why they're they're getting them in the first place, right? So 
Yeah. I think that's just it, it, CEOs and, and businesses. They oftentimes just write a check and say they're doing good that way, but they don't really know what what it's tied to. I thought the backpack yeah. uh, story is it's amazing. I, I love the picture you had in your book too about the pallets and pallets and pallets. Oh gosh, yeah, backpacks. It was a <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Like logistically, it sounds like a disaster, but it was. Yeah, well, I didn't know what I was doing either, and I'll, I'll tell you what the backpacks. <laughs> Uh, created, you know, it, it created a couple things. It created an emotional disruption in the, in the company and in the lives of employees and customers. Um, there was no, there was no sales gimmicks, nothing, no coupons in, in the bags. There wasn't any like come back to our store type stuff or discounts. Um, it really was genuine. It was authentic. And, and, um, the second thing is it created alignment around a cause that um, was very close to the strategic placing of where the stores were in local communities. So we, we teach a lot of times companies about doing good and, and so much of the good that's going on is good, but, but some, so many times we're seeing that the good that is happening through these companies is not aligned with their business. It's not aligned with where they're located or it's not aligned with, uh, their core competency. And the more and the closer that we can align the good that we do uh, as a company uh, to what we do as a business, that's that's the secret sauce right there. Aligning it to the business intent, strategic intent, aligning it with the passion of employees and also the passion of the customers. And when you get that employee customer cause alignment, that's, I mean, you've got something really special. That's where we say that's where we see the culture of good really flourishing in business. When you were at TCC, uh, you had a stat in the book, and I want you to share it if you remember it. But uh, what was the contribution level, inter- like monetarily, for donations and uh, time off or community service and, and things for the employees that they can contribute? It was a high number. I was I was kind of shocked by basically how much money you gave each employee to, to give back to the community. Do you remember what that, what yeah, that was? I think, I think it was around $1,100 yeah. an employee. Um, you know, what's really interesting is as it started to grow, vendors started getting involved. They heard. Wow, yeah. And what, what's unique is vendors want to be connected with that kind of work. So we had a major vendor um, that specifically said please don't use our name because we you know we can't do this for everyone but we want to be connected to what you're doing and started donating over a million dollars a year toward oh the my effort goodness. it was it was such a fascinating experience to go from a place in the nonprofit world where i was hoping to get you know if i got a 10 or 15 thousand dollar donation at once I thought, you know, heaven was pouring down on me, you know, like yeah. this is an awesome opportunity to go and do good with. And and you go from, you know, these small little hundred, two hundred dollar donations to seeing a check of over a million dollars to one point actually started giving one point five million a year toward it. Uh the return of investment uh that TCC had was uh, so significant because their their spend uh, really became minimal in terms of what they were giving, and that, that continued to grow. 
but in terms of what collectively we were doing with the money, I mean, it was so fascinating. There was an $11 return for every dollar that TCC spent on doing good. And so the ROI became significant. The employee turnover mm-hmm. uh, decreased by over 20%, uh, saving TCC $5.8 million a year. Um, now we're, now we're talking more than let's add some fluffy stuff to our company, right? Like this is driving business results that we didn't expect. Um, and once, once we saw those results, the promise had to be made by the company that as the culture of good drove business results, the company would reinvest more and more money and resource every year, uh, to do good in the world. And, and that had to be paramount to this working because it couldn't just be another CSR or corporate social responsibility yeah. program. This, this was more about culture and DNA and driving it into the, uh, what most people are doing most of the time. And, and that's what culture is, right? Um, and that doesn't mean that they were just going out and giving away backpacks every day. Yeah. They had to do their work, but they need, they needed to know that as they grew the business success, and drove business results that uh, more good could be done in the world. And that was the main motivator. A couple things I want to hone in on. Uh, you just kind of alluded to there. Uh, so business results, you didn't really hone in on that too much in the book. And I, I want to just bring that out a little bit. How, how did you get the business results out of it? Did you like, were you able to like share all this on social media and it just like word of mouth caught in that you're doing such good in the community? Like how did that, how did that translate in like all this good that you're doing? How did it translate into ROI for the business side, like more profit or more revenue or whatever it may be? Yeah. It drove more customers to the door. I mean, we, you know, in a small, when you're localizing your effort, if you're in local communities, if that aligns with the locale of where you do business, it creates buzz. People talk about it. It's a business differentiator, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about specifically wireless retail or, you know, any of your listeners out there in the industry that they're in, there's a good potential that someone else is doing what they're doing. Uh, and, and gone is a day that we can simply say our customer service is better than someone else's because since everyone's saying that, nobody believes it, right? <laughs> like that, that's not the differentiator anymore. What makes you, your greatest, single most greatest differentiator in business is your culture. Mm-hmm. And your culture is your greatest risk. Um, and that, and that was significant in terms of building the ROI because employees were using social media. We encouraged them to hashtag culture of good and share it on their personal social media if they wanted to. And that was met with a lot of early adopters that were sharing good uh, that they were doing, you know. Uh, And what we were saying is when you share good, it gives you an opportunity to inspire others to do good with you. And so that inspiration wasn't about bragging or saying, look at, look at us, but we, we constantly said we should never do good to be seen, but we should always be seen doing good. And, uh, and that was really significant for, for the company. And so we saw more customers coming in the door. Same store sales were up over 40%. Uh, we saw, uh, employee turnover reduction by over 20%. Um, engagement levels went from, um, before I was there, they didn't do a lot of surveys, but we were seeing 93% engagement levels wow. in terms of employees 
feeling connected to their work, connected to the values of the company. You know, and that again, I'm I'm not on here to say this is the perfect program and if you put culture good in your business, you're you know, you're going to have the same results. You know, those those results go up and down. That that's you know, there's a lot of influencers out there beyond culture of good, the industry, the wireless industry, um, you know, uh, up, upturns and downturns in business. Like there's, you know, compensation changes. There's a lot of different yeah. factors. But overall, you can't lose as a business owner caring about your people, caring about the world and, and really doing it in an authentic way. You're, you're not going to lose doing that. And, and that's what we saw. We, didn't expect such a significant ROI around it, uh, but once we saw that, we knew this is this is making a difference uh, in a significant way, and we should share this with with others. I'm glad you brought up the people side. That was the other part I wanted to hone in on. So besides the business results, the it probably brings people closer together. You probably attract and retain. I'm just making assumptions here, but I, I assume you attract and retain people that want to rally around a greater cause and are probably great performers too and they probably besides just the work that they're doing they feel like they're contributing to something that's greater than themselves it seems like it's a non-negotiable nowadays especially as younger people they are so mission driven what's what's yeah. been your experience with that two things i would say you're 100 percent right the second thing i would say in terms of engagement and uh getting the high performers one area that we made the mistake in early on was tying the good they were doing to driving the business. And that was significant because what we ended up with was ambassadors that were in many of the stores that had the bleeding heart mm -hmm. and really wanted to uh, be charitable with their work and their life. And, and that's what we were really driving. Uh, but, but over time, what we saw, we weren't expecting it, but what we saw um, was some of them were using it as a crutch uh, in their everyday work. So they would say, well, I showed up to work late today because we were all out as a team last night doing good in the local community, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. um, And so that was one of the, the landmines that we stepped on and had to take some steps back and say, how do we refocus this and how do we, how do we make this something that's measurable uh, where employees know their personal impact on the business, um, still motivated by the good uh, that we would do with the results, but recognizing that you also have to be uh, savvy in business as well as having a heart to want to do good in the world. And so what we, what we would say is you don't have to go work for a charity to be charitable. Yeah. Uh, but it's not a nonprofit, right? Like someone has to pay for all this good yes. uh, that's going on. And so that was just one of the landmines that mm. we teach businesses and, and uh, something we didn't expect. But, you know, we're practitioners, not experts. So we, we, you know, we learned along the way and, and we love sharing that with other companies. So TCC at the time of you writing this book or when you were there, it sounded like you had like 800 employees and they're spread everywhere. How do you get a program like this or, or just the, the overall mentality of like, we're going to do good in our communities. How do you scale that? Is that where the ambassadors comes into play? Yeah, I think ambassadors are good as long as they um, have a, a full understanding of, of what the full scope of, of what the type of effort is going to be. 
we I think we learned over time that it really has to be owned by everyone. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes, you know, when you have ambassadors, you have champions out in the field, um, you know, sometimes they take the load of everything and everyone else kind of says, all right, they're, they're leading that so I can focus on something else. And, and, you know, culture is what most people are doing most of the time. And so we're, we really, we really had to refocus that and, and, uh, we ended the ambassador program and really took more of an approach on how do we scale this to every individual employee, every team, and then the organization as a whole. And that three tiered approach, uh, really, um, culminated to us, uh, discovering that there were five promises that we were making, uh, and expecting the employees to make and teams to make. And I'll, I'll go through those really quick. Um, one is to care about others in the world around us. Uh, the second is to drive the business to greater success so we can do more good. The third is to connect with people around us. The fourth is to inspire others to do good with us. And the fifth is to be authentic with our words and actions. And those, those five, uh, what we call promises really are, uh, what the culture of good is made of, what it can be managed to and how it's measured. So, you know, not to get into all of our products and tools, but we, we even measure it based on a radar graph of zero to seven, uh, where employees will, uh, based on observable behaviors and how they're living those five promises out self-assess and team assess on a monthly basis and then uh, organizationally assess on a quarterly basis. Uh, and that's really when you can measure culture in that way where it's still emotional and it's not just a KPI, uh, but it's it's still connected to how people feel about their work and about the good that they're doing. That's that's really where it gets uh, special. And that, that's something that we learned well after writing the book. Interesting. So one of my last questions for you is going to be, how do you launch something like this without a feeling forced? And it sounds like you, based on what you just said, is you're measuring their performance based on these behaviors in some way, mm-hmm. right? And that's how it's, it's just part of their job. And it's, and through behaviors of other people in the community, it's just become part of their human nature and desire to just do good in the world. Yeah, we want to make it habitual. Yeah. We really, it starts with leadership. It starts with, you know, we do workshops and all of that where we do a find your cause where we're really honing in and, and getting down to the essence of what your business is about, why you're in business, what you care about, what you, who, you, who are your employees, who are your customers, and how can we align your employee customer to a cause that is uniquely aligned to your business strategy. And we start there and, and we start with a commitment from leadership that this is something that, uh, they're going to run the business through what we call an EOS, an emotional operating system. It's based on that cause and the passions of their employees and customers. But then we introduce the five promises and, uh, over time teach leadership and, and management how to coach individuals and teams around that and, uh, and how to measure that over time and, how to drive those results through the five promises. And that's, you know, it's, it's not complicated, but it's, it's, it's a unique system that we've developed based on our own experience and our own, you know, trial and error and the landmines that we stepped on and, and what we learned. And, and, uh, so, you know, first step could be just reaching out to us. Uh, another step, if, 
if someone's out there and they're like, you know what, we could get a hold of culture good, but but we got this handled. You know, I would I would really challenge that that owner and that executive team, that leadership team to identify a cause that aligns with their business that's really unique to them, and uh, that also also aligns with their employees and customers' passions. And once once you get that and you commit to it, and and you know it's more than a day of service once a year, but you have you know, that predictable uh, cadence of doing good throughout the year. And and that's that's where you start to see the business result. Ryan, I know that you and your co-author of the book, uh, Scott Moorhead, you guys are doing this full time. Can you like let listeners know uh, either about your book or your website or anything that you're doing that you'd want to point people to or reach out to you? Yeah, the, the two ways. So cultureofgood.com is our website and you can order the book uh, through Amazon on the website. You can hear more about and read more about our services. I'm a keynote speaker. Um, I can go into businesses or if they have a leadership group that, you know, gets together on a yearly basis, I, I can come in and do that. We, you know, obviously we're for hire to come in and do workshops and, and, and work through some of the, the process of getting something like this launched. And then also you can just reach out to me, uh, on my email. It's ryan at cultureofgood.com. And uh, thirdly, I said two ways, but thirdly, we're on all the social media. If you look up Culture of Good, you can go on there. But if someone wants to reach out to me directly, they can certainly do that at ryan at cultureofgood.com. Awesome. We'll put links in the show notes to, to all your, your profiles and your websites and your social media profiles as well. So that way, li- that way listeners can connect directly with you find you easy thanks brandon yeah so ryan mccarty you've been our guest today thank you so much for being part of the podcast and keep doing good in the world really appreciate what you're doing it's all i can do man (laughs) i i appreciate it i i i thank you for the opportunity to come on and uh spread our message and and i'm excited to to hear from your listeners and and uh to hear the good that they're doing in the world as well Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.